You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greetings, all. Alan Seiler. Howdy! <laughs> and Veronica <laughs> Dashel. Hi. I don't know why I decided to go mini Pearl. That's just <laughs> weird. No Star Trek connection there. All right, well, do we have any Star Trek news this week? Holy cow, we sure do. Wow. There was a big thing that came out today um, with Brian Robbins and Alex Kurtzman talking about the future of the franchise and the plans for more shows and more theatrical releases. And uh, so for those who aren't familiar, uh, Brian Robbins uh, has been the president of Nickelodeon and has been uh, with Paramount Plus and is now the CEO of Paramount Pictures. So they are uh, all kinds of in cahoots. <clears throat> I'm sorry, they're in cat boots. Um, <laughs> spoiler for later in the show um, about uh, their plans for uh, the future of Star Trek. And um, it, it's uh, this article that came out is, is really interesting because before um, Nickelodeon uh, got sort of like absorbed into the Paramount Plus family, um, Alex Kurtzman came to Nick and said, we should really do something with the franchise. We should get uh, Star Trek onto, you know, into the Nickelodeon family. And at the same time, Brian was telling his people, you know, we should really work on getting Star Trek to be part of the Nickelodeon family. So it's like this thing was being like come at from different, like on from both angles at the same time. And uh, they were both, and that was before Nickelodeon uh, and Paramount Plus. I don't know how it all worked, but I guess <laughs> there was a merger or something. And so now they're like basically in each other's office, you know, <laughs> talking about, um, future animated movies and a possible um, prodigy movie yeah. and all wow. kinds of stuff. I mean, that's amazing. Did y'all have a chance to read the article? No, I did. Yeah. It sounds like they've got, they've got big plans working on neither. He wouldn't go into specifics on everything they're doing, obviously, but right. it sounds like they've got multiple films that they're yep. in the works. But one thing that was encouraging to me was because we've heard a lot about the um, prioritizing streaming, but they seem to be still prioritizing the uh, the theatrical experience as well, and looking for, at that as a big way to bring people in. Yes, and and uh, Brian mentioned that as uh, a way of energizing or re-energizing a franchise. Hmm. Um, and but what's interesting to me is that they are talking about a like literally a ten year plan. Right, like they're not just talking about uh, whatever the next movie is that's coming up. They are talking about the development of Star Trek over the next decade and that is exciting mm -hmm. um but they're also you know brian also mentioned um the uh the, the way that streaming and theatrical release plays into each other 
and uh, or sorry, um, the uh, streaming releases and like terrestrial broadcast. Um, so he's talking about Nickelodeon shows that have premiered on Paramount Plus first, and that has had a boost on other Nickelodeon shows on Paramount, but also on the uh, Nickelodeon broadcast. Hmm. And um, and I thought that was really interesting. And Kurtzman said, and I am reading his quote, we've built Star Trek to last and based on the premise that you need to feed constant flow of material to viewers. For example, when the pandemic started, the numbers really spiked on Discovery because Picard had aired and people liked Picard, and that led them to go back to Discovery and vice versa. So um, clearly, you know, the pandemic, I hate to say this, the pandemic has been good for CB or Paramount Plus. I almost said CBS <laughs> All Access, and that's that's passe um so you know that and and it looks like the our star trek shows have had a boost from that awesome you know yeah, yeah. and they also talked about um the they call it four quadrant which i think is so funny in star trek terms <laughs> I know. but it's like it's like whole audience programming so kids uh parents and you know in-betweens and olders and uh they're talking they used um into the Spider-Verse as an example of a film that hit all of those demographics and that both of them went to that film with their whole family and that it played to every member of the family and they all just loved it. And so that seems to be the direction that they're heading with some of, at least some of the uh, theatrical releases that they're talking about for Star Trek. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get more into Prodigy later, but they're making TV shows now that, I mean, they look like films. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are they going to do more with the film that they're not already doing with the TV show? How much bigger is it going to get? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it, it can get more epic in scope. Right. One, and, you know, like as far as the storytelling goes. Um, and, you know, maybe, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe it goes into a bigger guest cast or so i don't know yeah there's all kinds of things that they can do with it which is exciting oh yeah yeah it's interesting to see what happens i mean we they've been since 2016 since we had the last theatrical film i mean, I mean yeah. i'm excited to get them for them to get something done and out there so i'm glad that there's a plan and i hope, <laughs> I hope they stick to the plan because there's been a few plans over the last few years <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so that's the big story from today wow all right keith did we have any this week in trek this week yeah, just a couple of things uh, for this week. Not a, not a whole bunch. Uh, we didn't do it last week. So there was two real quick ones I wanted to do from last week that were significant for the Star Trek universe. And one of them, this is on the 23rd of October, 1953 is the birth date of Iris Stephen Bear. Hey. Oh, wow. very nice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, was, yeah. His, was his goatee and mustache blue even back then? <laughs> sure was. All right. Every time you see that guy, I love I love the look on him. And of course, he's he's done so much other stuff with the DS9. He's done some of the new Twilight Zone, uh, a mm -hmm. series called well, a series is funny. He's back now called the Forty Four Hundred. Did a series called Alphas that not too many people saw that I really loved. I loved Alphas. Yeah, me too. Time I for thought it was a fun show. Yeah, and of course, he was the driving force behind what Deep Space Nine, uh, Deep Space Nine became. So that was a, a pretty good one. And another one I also wanted to get just from last week um, in 1966 on the 23rd of October, Michael Westmore was born. Oh, oh wow. Look at that. 
Yeah, and that's a name that people who are really deep in Star Trek know because he's done a lot of, gosh, he's done a lot of work. His official title in Star Trek was Electronic uh, Prosthetics. He was famous for one thing of making the design for data when they would sometimes access data's head or brain. He did that. He was responsible for the... The real funny thing I thought was if, if you ever watch Next Generation, any time when Jordy took his visor off, he had the two contact points on both sides of his temples that blink. Westmore was the guy who designed that as well. <laughs> <laughs> just, he's, I mean, yeah, he's a freaking legend. He, I mean, he is. is he is one of the like the leaders in that field. He's amazing. Absolutely. He also designed the, the Borg eyepieces when the Borg were first brought in. He was yep. designing that. The one thing I thought was very interesting about him, and I didn't realize that, was, and boy, there was no real way for me to check this, but in many appearances of the Borg, Westmore programmed Morse code into the Borg's uh, laser beams, and they would actually bleak <laughs> things like Rick Berman's name and <laughs> stuff in Morse code, which what? I never caught. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. That's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people plant stuff before. One of the things I found was really interesting about Michael Westmore is check this out. His father was also Michael Westmore, and he was, um, he worked, he was a, a makeup designer and supervisor on the original Trek show. His sister, Mackenzie Westmore, has done yeah. some spots, some guest spots. You know that one, Alan? I was just about to bring her up. Yeah, she's done some guest uh, spots on Star Trek. His grandfather, Monty Westmore, was a hairstylist and makeup artist way back on the Gone with the Wind movie from the mm-hmm. 30s. Yep. He has a, a grand uncle named Pat Westmore, who also worked on the original series. And he has an <laughs> uncle, and he has an uncle, and his uncle and, and his uncle's wife were also makeup artists on the original series. So the Westmore family is legendary, evidently. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think I think you said, I think uh, when you talked about Mackenzie, you said sister. That's his daughter. Ah, sorry. Yeah. That's, and I have she, down here. That's correct. correct. She was the host of Face Off. The 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 oh, the makeup right. the oh. makeup challenge show that was on Sci Fi <laughs> Channel for n- numerous seasons. Yeah, now is she so, the Westmore daughter that appeared on Picard? I know that um, one of one of a Westmore daughter appeared on Picard and was in that sort of weird makeup that that jumps out to you. Um, was kind of like white bird like. Remember that? Oh I yeah, she... I remember that because I remember she was like on the planet and walked through a transporter, and then you saw the exact same. Character. I remember that was a Westmore. I don't remember if that was Kenzie <laughs> or a different one. I don't. I'm. I'm sure it was okay. not her. Okay. She did appear in uh, Next Gen and in Voyager, but I don't think she has done any of that kind of thing since then. Like, oh, like recently. Sure. Okay. Hey, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That, that uh, was fun. No- yeah, another real quick one from this week, and there's just a couple of ones. Um, 1953 on the 27th of October was the birth of day of one Robert Picardo, the Robert doctor. Yeah, who, very nice. Uh, I, I first saw him on a show called China Beach years ago, and uh, it was a, kind of a Vietnam War era show. I love him as the doctor, of course. On the 28th of October 1964, here we go. Another luminary it was the birth date of Robert Hewitt Wolf. Oh. Very nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, All right. Uh, okay. Hang on. You skated uh, past uh, Picardo. I got to uh, tell yeah, you. Yeah, let's go. go I got to tell you my Picardo story. Okay. Cool. Okay. That, that, that probably isn't actually a Picardo story. But I was <laughs> um, uh, back in 2016, there was a huge 
or 17 huge David Bowie exhibition, like enormous exhibition. And it played at a couple of different places in Chicago and LA and London and whatever. And mm-hmm. um, the last place that it was uh, playing was uh, the, the Met in uh, New York. And so I went to see it and I was there like literally the last day that it was open. <laughs> and, uh, and I'd never been to New York before. And I was excited about that. But then I was at this thing and oh my God, it was mind blowing. But going in, I was in line right in front of a dude who looked and sounded exactly like Robert Picardo. And I had this conversation with him. Like we just talked about, you know, Bowie trivia and stuff. And mm-hmm. I never had the nerve to say, are you freaking Robert Picardo? <laughs> so I don't have confirmation that it was him, but so it could have been him, right? Could have, could have been. Yeah. I looked at his Twitter to see if I saw any posts about him having seen the exhibition and I didn't see one. So it probably wasn't. <laughs> uh, sometimes that happens. I have a friend who years ago was at the Chick-fil-A in downtown Decatur years ago and saw who she thought was DeForest Kelly. And she was pretty sure it was him and she didn't say anything. So she went and sat down to eat. And she said later on, about 20 minutes later, he came up to her and it was DeForest Kelly. What? And Why did he, he come saw- up to her? And well, he said, he, he said, he said to her, he said, I noticed that you knew who I was. And I appreciate the fact that you didn't call it out. That's <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, isn't that awesome? That sounds like a DeForest Kelly story. It yeah. so yeah. does. That's just great. He just came up and she said he gave him his autograph and just, he just walked out. And, and Alan, some of them, might, some of the people might've done And She said a couple of people looked, but they're kind of like, is it, is it not? And mm-hmm. they just kind of said, nah, why would he be a Chick-fil-A? And, and, oh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was on the train. Being? I was on the train this afternoon, sitting right behind a guy who looked exactly like Timothée Chalamet. And I was like, didn't say anything, just in case it was him. I didn't want to get in his face or anything, but there you go. I don't know why, he was, but he was clearly coming from the airport with luggage and, you know, airport tags and stuff. So it could maybe he's flying in for a role. Who knows? I got to show you all my Muhammad Ali picture one time. I actually did meet him and that was real. It was actually. Yeah, Yeah, that's a a story I have to tell later. Holy smokes. I know, right? Two last ones. uh, 1971 on 25th October, birthday of Anthony Rapp. Yay. Yay. A more recent Star Trek luminary. And then the the last one, which is sorry to go on a sad note, but on the 24th of October, 1998, is when we lost uh, the great bird of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. That was the day that uh, Gene Roddenberry passed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah. and the Star Trek franchise went on to be completely run by Rick Berman and Branyan Braga for that era. And then now it's in new hands now. So it's, kind of, it's still kind of amazing that a, a show that had a failed pilot and a sec- second pilot that nobody, and that was canceled, 50 years plus later, we're still going. That's, uh, that's yeah. amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, and that's the news for Trek this week. All right. Sweet. We'll, then we'll take a quick break to promote our fellow ESO Network podcast shows. When we get back, we'll talk about the premiere of a new Star Trek series. So stay right there. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. 
Do you know how fast you were going? Uh, sorry officer, uh, one episode every two weeks? Two weeks! Did you also know you're carrying a dangerously heavy load? Yes sir, we do. We've got interviews, fight nights, film discussions, Desert Island DVDs, and lots more. I think we've got to take you down to the station. You do not have to write anything, but it may harm the Cosmic Pizza Podcast if you do not mention when questioned something you later wanted in the promo or feedbacks. Anything you do say may be used in said feedback. Cosmic Pizza Podcast is not about the cosmos or about pizza. All right, guys, we have a new Star Trek series this week. Yay. Anybody want to jump out with an opinion of the, the premiere of Star Trek Prodigy Lost and Founds part one and two? The animation reminded me of some of the uh, newer Star Wars cartoons, this, yeah. the style and the way like the hair flowed, especially um, mm-hmm. the main dude and Gwen. And I'm forgetting the doll and Gwen doll doll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those two barrel. particularly reminded me of like Star Wars aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful looking, beautiful, beautiful looking series. They uh, they caught me off guard when it first started, and I didn't know what I was looking at. And I thought it was some kind of weird opening sequence, and then it turned out it was that that mineral that they were mining. Yeah, the whole screen was some of the orangish stuff like that. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was an interesting open it was nothing like i expected and that's not a good or bad i i I have purposely read almost nothing about it and so i literally just went i was blind going in i knew nothing i didn't know who was going to be featured nothing at all so i enjoyed it yeah yeah i I thought it was a lot of fun there's uh i'm looking forward to it becoming even more star trekky as it goes along i think oh um, yes not just the style but uh i thought there was a lot of star warsy things in this one as well which yeah you know that happens but yeah, I'm looking forward to them to you know getting out there and being on a space adventure and, and less uh, with the the Sith lords and things. Right. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's really interesting that you that you mentioned that because I have been saying for years and years and years and years that Star Trek and I've mentioned it on the show before. Star Trek has not had something that's the equivalent of Star Wars Rebels. Right. You know that's appealing to that audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm. I'm okay with uh, seeing some of those visual cues, some of that visual style in this first uh, two-parter. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that because I think that's a nice bridge from what people are looking for and have found with Star Wars and will help that crossover into this new property. Mm-hmm. I definitely got a feeling that it's that it's geared toward younger kids. It, it definitely had a, for me, a tone and that's not a bad thing either, but I definitely got a kind of a, a feeling you could tell that was a little bit, maybe because you guys are saying the Star Wars aesthetics to it, because I don't watch a lot of Star Wars, have nothing against it, but I haven't really watched any of the Star Wars Rebels or the Clone mm-hmm. Wars and that stuff. So, but it did, it did skew a little younger to me than say yeah. Lower Decks, of course. Oh so, yeah. Definitely, of course. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned the Star Wars aesthetic, the dude whose name I wrote down, I forget, the, the robot. Um, he reminds Dreadnought. me, Dreadnought, and he reminds me of the, what was the, the guy whose heart was crushed in Star Wars? Who um, General Grievous. Uh-huh. General Grievous. He yeah. reminded yes. me of him so yes. much. I thought, wow, he looks straight out of Star, Star Wars. Oh yeah. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. And, and um, 
Gwen's father is very emperor, you know, yeah. very, you know, you can especially yeah. that last thing that you see of him. Right. Yeah. After you think the episode is over. Well, and yeah. two, when she enters his evil lair and kneels before him and yeah. she's got General Grievous there behind him. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, I mean, I like, like Keith was saying, you can tell it's 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 written for a younger crowd. Um, yeah. And not in a bad way, but sort of things like, you know, they'll 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 say something and then immediately explain what that means. You know, I'm I'm an, you know, I'm non-corporeal, which means I'm an energy creature you know, right. and, and things like that, which I don't think is bad. But it's clear no. that they're making it accessible for a younger audience. Well, but at the same time, you know, it's been an awful long time since the Medusans have been on screen. Yeah. So that explanation works for anybody who's watching, who's not seen a particular episode of the original series. Sure. Also, if they don't know like what non-corporeal means, which... oh, I know. that's what I mean. That's, that's, yeah. that's how they explain it. <laughs> you know what? There might be a lot of adults that don't know what that is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> not in this house. <laughs> no, not no, in this no. house. <laughs> that seems foreign to me. I knew what non-corporeal was when I was like seven, but then I was watching Star Trek when I was seven. So right. how can I not? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But even even today, I saw somebody post a comment about, you know, being confused about the robot guy. So I think the non-corporeal you know, and, and it's a, you know, a suit, basically. Mm -hmm. I think it's a worthy explanation because, you know, otherwise they just think it's a robot. <laughs> and so it's not a robot. You're talking about uh, the Medusan, Fugitive yeah. Zero, they were confused about whether he was a robot or not. Didn't yeah. he literally say, I'm not a robot? Well, that's what I'm saying. Even though he uh, said that, people, you know, are still, but it, it could have been somebody who didn't watch the episode. Yeah. So, it, it, you needed that explanation. Yeah. Yeah. And these days, too, I mean, you get a lot of people who are watching things on their phone or, you know, things playing the car as you drive down the street. It's not, else. Yeah. I, everyone doesn't, you know, watch it three times in a day. Like we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most people don't have as many notes as Keith has. You know, that's, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that. I can't, I can't, it's funny you say that. I can't do that thing where like, I'll watch, if I'm doing errands or, um, if I'm doing some stuff outside or chores, I will watch an episode of Voyager maybe on my phone, but it's something I've seen so many times. Mm -hmm. And if it's something that's visually, uh, visually detailed, I got to put it on the television. So, yeah. you know, I have yeah. to do that. Uh, like this one, I, again, I think I watched the equipment three times. So I kept rewinding because some of the colors are just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then I had a couple of things too, that they were talking about. I was still slightly confused how they found the ship so easily by crashing through something. And I'm confused why it was hidden. I, I got a well, little confused. We're going to find out that stuff throughout the season. But the yeah. thing that, yeah. that is, is sort of like surprising is that, you know, this, uh, the emperor has been looking for this ship for however long and can't yeah. find it. And then yeah. these dudes like stumble on it. Yeah. yeah which always like happens, it. you know, and he knew it was there because he even said, "Why do you? What do you think I've been mining for?" Exactly. Like he he okay. knows what he's looking for, yeah. right? And they, you're right. Literally, the ceiling collapses and they fall down, and there it is, in really good condition, in a really big cavern on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to finding out how this ship got to the Delta Quadrant, mm -hmm. why it's there, where its crew is, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I'm there's a lot to find out over the next eight episodes. Oh, yeah. There was nothing but mystery here. We don't even know why the um, why the um, the bad guy. What was his name? The diviner was that what they mm -hmm. called him? Exactly. Why, why, why he keeps kidnapping all these aliens from all over the quadrant? And well, who's going to do his mining for him? He's not going to do it. I guess. But well, it, it seemed yeah. like you know, the his mining operation. He's got 
a bunch of humanoid slaves and then a bunch of robots to guard the humanoid slaves. It's not going to be right. simpler just to build robots to do the mining. Robots. Thank yes. you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I had the same thought. So that Less was trouble. Yeah. yeah. So you, you have to wonder how these uh, aliens from all over, I mean, because you've got Alpha Quadrant folks mm-hmm. involved, how these people are all coming across his path, you know, to get captured and get enslaved. Yeah. I don't know. I don't either. Yeah. yeah. And there's the whole mystery. <laughs> Hopefully of what the is, writers do. Right. <laughs> I know, right? And there's the whole mystery of what is Dalrell. And I gotta swear I want to call him Daryl. It's so hard not to call him Daryl. Because Dalrell is hard to say. There's a whole mystery of what he is and who he is. Right. They, um, Dreadnought even said, What is your species? And he said basically says, You tell me. Yeah, I, I don't mm-hmm. even know him either. Yeah. So I'm right. very curious about what that's yeah. all about. Oh yeah, there's a there's going to be an interesting backstory with that guy. Yeah, I mean this is nothing but mystery. And the whole thing when he tells the one the girl who they kept calling um, progeny, basically said you were it. What, what is that all about? I mean there's there was so much. And I had a really weird, funny thought. And I made a note. Uh, I don't I almost don't care where this thing goes. If this show manages to redeem the Kazon, I'm okay. <laughs> that was this one looked pretty good. He did yeah, look right. pretty good, and he didn't yeah. seem like stupid and you know out of you know costumed out of the dollar store. Um, yeah, and the CGI but, uh, hair but, was so much better than the real life hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I don't want them to show up an awful lot. <laughs> now I did like the conceit that they don't allow translators, so you have this sort of power of Babel thing going on. Exactly, yeah. I thought that, that was, was really neat. And that could be the whole reasoning behind capturing people from all these different places to put them to work. Yeah. Because if they can't communicate with each other, then they can't plot against him. That's right. Yeah. Now, I wish they had held the reveal for Rock Tack until the show. I mean, I know know. they have to announce that stuff, but that would have been a great reveal on the show. Exactly. That Rock Tack isn't a big uh, angry monster dude. He's a little girl instead. And they had announced that months ago. Right. uh, And announced the you know, the actress who plays her and all that. So it wasn't a surprise to me. Now, maybe a kid watching it for the first time who, who doesn't have access to all that stuff would be blown yeah. away by the twist. Exactly. You and, know what? I was. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. I, <laughs> I really forgot. And I stayed away from it. For, this is crazy. I stayed away from it for so much. I forgot what, until you just said it that I had read that. So when her girl voice came out. a whole out, episode oh, about it. Yeah. I know. I, I'm telling you. I thought it was a dude. You should listen to this podcast. <laughs> I'm expecting her to do like Ben Grimm for the Fantastic Four. It's clobbering yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, it was God. really fun when I went and watched it the second time. Like I was kind of trying to watch her, what uh-huh. she was saying, and think of how she was actually saying that, not how it sounded to mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. um uh doll. Yeah. And that's yeah. something we've seen before, too, with the Universal Translator back in Metamorphosis on the original series. Everyone, mm-hmm. they, were, they were surprised that the companion had a female voice. And Zephyr Crocker said, right. well, why did you give it a female voice? And they're like, I didn't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's her voice. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, I like that part of the translator is cre- adding that context of, you know, how they how they see themselves. Speaking of translators. So we knew going into the show that Gwen is a translator, that mm-hmm. she knows, you know, tons and tons of languages right. and has a gift for linguistics. And so she's translating uh, the meeting with the Kazon. Mm-hmm. And after the thing is over with, she says, 
I don't know why my father has me, you know, do all this negotiating with you when you are programmed to translate. And he says, you know, have faith. Your, your father has a plan for you or whatever. That's an interesting angle. That's not one that I would have. I mean, I don't know. I just didn't see that, you know, being, I don't know that that caught me by surprise. Mm. Yeah, same here. I'm trying to. Uh, I don't. I also didn't understand what that was all about. Yeah. At one point, before you first think about it, you thought that he was the the master and she was the servant almost. Until then, you then until you realize she's um, the progeny of the father, the diviner. Yeah. 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 Why well, the diviner's preparing her for something, and I don't right. know if we know quite what yet. Well, at the the very last thing you see. By the way, we're going to have spoilers all throughout this discussion, <laughs> just in case you know. Um, but in that very last scene, he looks like he's, you know, on the verge of death. Mm-hmm. He's prepping her to take over for him. Yeah. And but he also says they are the last two of their kind. Mm-hmm. So once he's gone, she's it, man. So she's yeah. going to inherit the entire operation and the legacy of their race and everything. So, you know, she is going to be as important to him to get back as whatever reason he's looking for this ship. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not just like a, a controlling father who wants his daughter back. This is the future of their people. Yeah. And well, I wonder if the person. whole operation is this one crappy asteroid or if there's more, <laughs> there's more to it. <laughs> right, right. What were you saying, Veronica? Uh, their person, because I mean, even if she mates and creates a whole uh, exactly family, they're not going to be the same race. Exactly. Yeah, well, assuming that I... they mate, you know, we don't know how she's. Oh, that's she, true. They you know. may asexually reproduce. Yeah, there's no telling. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had a lot of vats <laughs> and things going on. You know? Well, if we're going to take the Star Wars thing, he reminds you of an old Emperor Palpatine. Maybe there's a bunch of clones they could just roll out. <laughs> that could be. I mean, that's true. That's, I mean, that's that, one way to do it. Cloning yeah. is how the Asgard uh, reproduce. Yeah. Oh, he, Stargate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was thinking mythology you know, <laughs> I was, or Marvel, and I was like, I'm not aware of that. I, don't know. <laughs> I didn't or, know Thor. Thor was all into that. But. Yeah. Or those people in that Next Generation episode with the the goofy one where there was the Irish planet and the other planet where everybody cloned themselves. Don't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, that's a fun one, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so yeah. The the Medusa was really important to him. Was the Medusa important to him only because he can zap people when they look at him, or is there a deeper purpose for well, future to zero? He says he has a purpose for the Medusa. Yeah. yeah. And we know Medusans are big into navigating in higher dimensions right. and things like that. <laughs> right. So now a fast ship and somebody to steer it, huh? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, we don't know exactly how this ship works, how it wound up in the middle of an asteroid and the Delta Quadrant, you know, but mm. I mean, from the from the credit sequence, I almost said opening credit sequence, but here it was the closing credit sequence. Uh, you know, it has some kind of interesting special drive. So it could it could be this ship operates in a way unlike other ships that we're familiar with. Right. Now, in watching uh, Is There in Truth No Beauty, my impression was always that you needed a telepath to communicate with the Medusa, but not necessarily that the Medusans were telepathic you know I mean, you had miranda jones there to talk mm-hmm. to uh colos but he wasn't just talking to everybody so it seems ah. like a bit of a, a a twist on the medusans in this that he said oh you're a medusa that means you're a telepath but he but then when they asked didn't somebody ask zero you're a telepath and he says not exactly hmm. 
Actually, okay. you know what? I, I rewound that. He was talking about Dow Dow because Dow made oh. another observation, and then the um, um, what's the girl's name? Rock Rock Rock, rock, talk? Yeah, rock, talk. rock talk. She looked at him and said, "Are you a telepath too?" And then the Medusan said, "Not exactly, but he has stumbled upon something that's important to us as ships." He was actually talking about Dow was not a telepath. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that is a change because you're right, um, Charles, because in the original series, it was Miranda who was a, a human telepath, which I think is rare. And Spock, of course, being a Vulcan, was a telepath. And right. that, they were the only ones who could communicate with him. Yeah. Uh, I did notice, did you notice that the box that they showed him in initially was the exact same box? Ex- oh, it sure was. <laughs> Except it appeared to have a window. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he must have added purpose. that. To, yeah, he added that so he could zap people. I thought it was cool when they yeah. showed that one guy that was chained and they made him look at him and then he turned into basically a zombie. I like that Lur- that Lurians and, show up. Yes, absolutely. That's yeah. two <laughs> two shows. Wait, do we have Lurians in Lower Decks? Yes. So three shows now with Lurians. Yeah. Look yeah. at them coming I, up in the world. I pretend that they're all Morn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the adventures of Morn. <laughs> At more, and he gets around. That's right. He's got his hands in everything. I thought the Cation was going to have more part uh, in the show. Yeah. That's the little cat, Veronica. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Because you had opinions about this cat. Yeah. Oh, tell us. oh I was very sad they left her behind. It was adorable. And she was waving to them all excited. I'm like, why didn't you bring the cat along with you? I mean, of yeah, course, was- Gwen, who actually knew she was the only one that knew she was there, was being coerced yeah sort of abducted right 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 planet. yeah so, maybe they're gonna go back for the cat maybe that's the big in the season thing <laughs> i don't think they would have focused as much on the cat if the cat wasn't gonna play a role somewhere down the line that's my thought as well look at this sweet little cat child well she's trapped in the prison forever <laughs> goodbye <laughs> with nobody to talk to dark show oh that's <laughs> funny yeah yeah i expect to see more of this little cat um but it's interesting, yeah. I mean, the the mix of Alpha Alpha Quadrant and Delta Quadrant races. I mean, you have a, K, a Kazon with a Kation showing up in this, yeah. right? You know? Right. So I'm right. I'm interested where in the Delta Quadrant they are, or mm-hmm. if they even uh, maybe on the towards the Alpha Quadrant side. You know, who knows? Well, right. I guess it depends on how far um, Kazons have traveled yeah. throughout their own quadrant, True. because Voyager started their journey like way on the far side of the delta right mm-hmm. yep and uh so we have to wonder if the kazons have made it you know as far as sort of like the alpha side of yeah. you know their space i don't know yeah or if there's some sort of you know i mean wormhole situation going on or well yeah exactly i mean if we have this many alpha quadrants and you know uh we don't know doll's race doll could be from the beta quadrant yeah that's true yeah yeah so um yeah, what is Murph? Yeah, what is he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we even seen it. Bag of yeah. spit. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even seen an analog to him in Star Trek, have we? Mm-hmm. No, no. We, we know that he's too smart for the translator, according yep. to Rock Tech. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we know he can sit on the controls and make things manipulate happen. them. Yeah, and 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 make pew pew pew. <laughs> he somehow knew how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> he seemed to do it with purpose. I don't think maybe it was an accident. He, maybe he's <laughs> oh, like a question maybe he's like a Voyager gel pack, but like alive and sentient. <laughs> maybe it's Odo. Or Odo. <laughs> Could be that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, that would be funny. 
Yeah, so, I, I, that was a question I had. Did he did he activate this stuff by accident because he was blobbed all over it? Or did he I don't think like, so. No, I, he I seemed think to that purposefully go over there. I right, mean, he was he going dropped, over there goofily, but right, he dropped down onto it with intent. Mm. I, okay. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, at the in the very end, you had hologram Janeway show up, um, yeah. which we didn't get a lot of her yet, but I'm excited to get more of her in the next episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The next one will be an awful lot of her, I think. It'll be an yeah. awful lot of introducing the ideas of Starfleet to these kids. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully <laughs> finding out more about the ship. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to give away everything in this, but it's, it's interesting. That you have this super advanced ship that appears to have a training program on it. You know, you wouldn't imagine you'd have the super advanced ship with cadets on it, but maybe they're training. They were training something for a purpose. You know, who knows? Yeah. Um, I found the ship pretty interesting. It looks visually very different from what we've seen of Star Trek ships. You know, you've got the, the sort of general layout, but like the chair is is sort of wild looking and the, the yeah. architecture is. Um, and the stairs. Yeah. 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 I mean, it looks like it's a smaller ship. You've got stairs up into the bridge. Which I love. It's yeah. Cool looking. Yeah. I think that's better for an animated show than a turbo lift, you know? <laughs> mm, yeah. True. Because you, you don't have to worry about the sets and everything. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> yeah. That's super true. Yeah, some some angles. It reminds me somewhat of Voyager in some ways, very slightly away. Mm-hmm. Then, and I know that in the in the trailers and in the, in the, the closing credits and stuff, they keep showing what looks like jets coming out of the nacelles mm-hmm. as if they're rockets or something instead of what they usually are, which is you know the the, the point for the warpings. I thought that was an interesting effect. And also, I noticed at the end when you mentioned about the propulsion. I don't. Again, I can't tell how much of this is just them playing it up but when they first show the ship there's a distortion of space and i don't know if that's just how they're depicting warp or again if that's an indication that it's doing something else or it's just part of the credits i couldn't tell because i'm i'm scrutinizing this scrutinizing this thing nine ways to sunday to see what's different and special about it yeah so i'm very curious about that if it has some special propulsion systems that they're experimenting with kind of like them oh what's the episode the f degree one of my Mm. favorite episodes from the next generation one where barkley gets the comes a super genius yeah. and they literally just folded space and went to the center of the galaxy and one of yeah. even something like that which is kind of yeah cool. hmm. yeah and definitely go ahead no <laughs> i refuse <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say something stupid so oh. you go ahead i was like yeah from the at least from the credit sequence it yeah it looks like it has two different drive systems the it does mm-hmm. yes it sort of mm-hmm. transforms into the second drive system, but we haven't oh. seen that on the show proper yet to see, you know, whether, like you said, the, those trails behind the Nacelle are just a stylization for the credits or if that's going to be right. something in the show. But it looked like, I mean, and that's what I thought initially, but mm-hmm. it looked like there was like an actual like emitter of some kind at the back of the Nacelle where mm-hmm. that beam kind of thing was coming from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting to think that it's like a secondary experimental propulsion thing just like you were saying earlier yeah 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 and i know one of our one of our uh friends on facebook uh griped about it being vapor trails (laughs) and really vapor trails in space Uh, but i don't think i don't think that's what it is either it's just a stylization for the credits or it is an actual new different propulsion system Vapor trails, oh, like the like 
gosh, was it Star Trek Beyond where the Enterprise kind of left a vapor trail or a trail of dust and stuff and it went in a warp? So maybe that they were thinking about something like that. Well, the, the Enterprise had trails behind it at warp in the, in the original series movies. Mm-hmm. You get the the red and yellow and right. You know when it went to warp, it had warp trails behind it coming off the right. cells. Right. So warp yeah, signature. Who yeah. Who knows? Exactly. But it'll be interesting to find out. Um, oh, we didn't talk about uh, Jengam Pog, our new uh, oh, the yeah, our new Tellerite who looks like he's dressed like Bebop from the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> He really is. Yeah. yeah. What what franchise did they not steal ideas from for this show? <laughs> right. I hate to say that, but yeah. One of my favorite lines in the whole two episode thing was uh, I think it was Rock said, "Do you know what you're doing?" And he says, um, "An an increasingly stupid series of bad mistakes." <laughs> Jankum Pog knows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. I thought it was so cute. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've got a nice little collection of characters. Yeah. Yeah. I um, really like, I liked the way that they, they were all just these separate people and the way that they were introduced and the way that you saw things like the vacation and stuff like that, you, you didn't get a sense of which ones were going to become the main crew. Yeah. Except that we all knew because mm-hmm. we read all the press releases and saw the videos. And, right. Know. Yeah, but, but if you come into this we, cold, exactly. Yeah, you wouldn't have any idea that when uh, um, Doll first meets Rock, that they are going to end up. They, it just looked like a big rock monster that growled. Mm-hmm. Right. You would not. I mean, there was there were other characters before that in the episode that don't play into any significance. Yeah, and it could have just been another one of those. I I love the way that they sort of folded these characters in. Oh yeah. Speaking of rock, I love the way they kind of double down on her being a nice little girl because mm-hmm. her eyes this beautiful kind of blue color and they're so bright and kind of innocent looking. So they're really doubling down on despite the rest of her bulk. At one point, she even said, I'm big, not stupid, which I thought was. Yeah, I like when she said, maybe I'm a telepath. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So you got to wonder how old is she? Yeah, how old is she? And also, you know, in relation to her species, she could be 100 right. years old and be a juvenile Bricard. We don't know. But because yeah. um, that means that dude's enslaving children. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, absolutely. He took the cat kid. Yeah. Right. Oh, good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So kind of care. Yeah, they're all they're all pretty much kids. Uh, the main mm-hmm. characters, even zero. You know, we don't know how Medusa's live to be or what right. young for a non-corporeal life form is. But, you know, they seem very um inexperienced you know sort of things like have you ever flown a ship like nope let's give it a (laughs) shot (laughs) i saw a a comment on uh some facebook post today uh that was basically i've I've seen pretty much nothing but positive reactions to this thing and i saw uh, one comment that said um teaching kids diversity without ever using the word diversity yeah Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really neat uh, angle for, to see this. Yeah. Yes. Medusa made a point of saying that um, that um, uh, future, uh, future of Zero said, I'm not a he or a she. I thought that mm-hmm. was an interesting point that was yep. made as well. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Uh, what, quick question. I wonder, we talking about the hologram. Because your point, I'm wondering, um, will that hologram develop the intelligence of the doctor and be someone that can start talking to because like, does does the hologram Janeway have the history of what happened is the hologram Janeway going to start 
almost con- uh, commanding the crew and <laughs> she, you know, she's going to be like concerned that you got a federation ship in the delta quadrant you know there's a whole lot of stuff of how she's going to develop in the course of the series well, well, yeah and it's and it depends on when the janeway hologram was designed right and and when you know Catherine actually like you know i don't know filmed all the parts for it or mm-hmm. however they do it i don't know um but yeah and so how much knowledge it has built in because you know it has the look of season one janeway mm-hmm. so you, you, the you know you would have to think that it was done before voyager got lost maybe i mean if you if i mean were, maybe if they were going to have a hologram kirk training kids you'd imagine it'd be original series kirk even though it's not the most up-to-date one they would have a record of you know yeah um, true. so i don't know oh, maybe uh, you might be right i never thought about that it's funny i assumed it was admiral janeway who did it and just they just made it look young but that's a good point i don't know this you know, it could be i mean yeah it could well be but it could was, have was, yeah. all of her i mean and it it may be installed on this ship because she has had more experience in the delta quadrant than anyone and if this ship was sent mm. specifically to the delta quadrant for some purpose mm. that's why she would be the one that's you know, been involved in programming this thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it could not be that the it was, it was a ship full of cadets, but it's a ship full of people and she's the training hologram because she knows the Delta Quadrant. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she was there to train them about the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. Oh, point. Which yeah. means she may know the mission, but she may not tell them at the start. Maybe yeah. they don't have security clearance or something like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she could have her own you secrets. Are. Yeah. <laughs> it was It was interesting that she did not comment at all that None of them were in uniform, and she'd never seen any of those species before or any of that stuff. So she, it's like she didn't even notice. Yeah, right. It was yeah. strange. It depends what level of awareness the program has. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's why I wonder if it'll be like the doctor because I mean, if originally all he ever did was please state the nature of the emergency, and then they left him on, and then he started gaining sentience over time. True. But she already starts a little bit more with, you know, personality than that because, and clearly she, you know, activates, you know, she's like the, she's like Clippy. She activates when someone needs, asks for help. So they use the word help. She activates and she's already, you know, at least more conversational than the doctor Mm -hmm. was when he began. So I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, I guess I'm so. very curious about that. I'm I'm very very curious about where this is going to go, and I'm very and then I, I like I said this whole the whole show was one huge two episode setup because to the point I loved it when they said uh, when they said what, what direction of course and he just looked out and he goes wow there's sure are a lot of stars out there and <laughs> he doesn't even know what direction to go I halfway expect him to do like Kirk said at the end of the the movie where he says out there that away or something yeah. like that. But, yeah. uh, I thought that was kind of funny. So to your point, Alan, I'm not sure how close they are to the Alpha Quadrant and what direction will they chat? Would they would they even want to go back to the Alpha Quadrant if they're not from there? I and, mean, and if they did, how, they wouldn't know how to get there. Yeah, exactly. And and way will tell them all. He seemed mm-hmm. to have um, Doll seemed to have a uh, like knowledge of the outside. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, don't you know at least a little something? I would think. Maybe. Based on the way he was like trying to get out so mm-hmm. much, mm-hmm. but I, I also don't know how long he'd been there. Maybe he'd been there since he was a little kid. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he has a memory of of life before that prison, but not necessarily far enough back to know where he originated. Right. right. You know, it's interesting to not know what race you are. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like- a that's a big piece of your identity that 
seems yeah. to be missing. So I'm really interested to not only find out who he is and what he is, but how that has gone missing. Yeah. And he referenced a specific grouping of stars as well when he was talking to Glenn. Yes. So I expect they're going to come across those stars at some point. Oh, yeah. That'll be the finale. Yeah. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> the last thing that happens in, in the first season is going to be them discovering that. Right before Captain Riker swoops in <laughs> to save the day. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder if they'll ever bump, bump into any. Well, I guess they can't. Well, I wonder if they bump into the other Federation ships that happen to be out there. Well, we know that there's going to be Chakotay and his crew, Captain Chakotay, and uh, these other characters that Jamila Jamil and David oh, Diggs. And, yeah, that's you know, right. That's right. Yeah. It's a mate, Keith. Okay. It is amazing that you are on the internet as much as you are, <laughs> and you are a part of this show week after week, and that you stay as spoiler free. But now I see I, it because you intentionally do not retain this stuff when we talk about it. That's I try to I try to stay a very away from good this. talent. <laughs> I try to stay from it as much as possible. Like I remember the whole I, I remember the thing about Chakotay, but I wasn't even putting those two together. And yeah, I have stayed away from this. I just really tried to stay away from all this stuff. Yeah. Veronica's like that about episodes she's already seen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I didn't remember Chicote. Her... I didn't remember the, the guest cast, but I remember Chicote was going to show up eventually. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Good job, Veronica. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I thought this episode <laughs> flew by. We were watching this this morning when we got up, knowing <laughs> that it was going to be a, a double length, and it got to the end and the credits, and I expected the next one to start. I was like, oh, I've already watched them both. Like that. Oh, that's, that's both. Yeah, I know it, it does. Yeah. it's it's very. Uh, it doesn't feel like two episodes. It's mm-hmm. just like. And basically, it's one story. So I need to go back and look and see where the divide will happen when it's split into two separate episodes. Veronica said this morning, maybe so I've become accustomed to watching Lower Decks because those episodes are so dense and so much stuff happens. <laughs> you know, the, the pacing in this was not nearly as frantic as the as the Lower That's Decks true. pace. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting so did- to see how it flows next week. Mm-hmm. Right. So what did y'all think of the overall look of the show? I think it looks gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it's really pretty and it's very clearly the animation style that kids are currently used to. Yeah. But also it's just like lush and like super widescreen. And I mean, it looks like a movie. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. It does. Um, When they first saw the ship, even when the ship was just sitting in the cavern, some of the angles of the the looks of the ship were just beautiful. And when when they finally took off, it was almost breathtaking, honestly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Even even when they were even when they were just like had just first fallen into the cavern and the look of the cavern itself was amazing. Exactly. But um, when uh, it falls down the ravine and then it Mm -hmm. raises back up, that Mm -hmm. was amazing. When it went through the waterfall and the water <laughs> part, oh my god, that was gorgeous! That and was. I just, I just keep thinking, Star Trek Discovery—you got to mm-hmm. learn how to do ship porn from your animated brother and sister shows because uh, yeah. they are doing ship porn so well. Yeah, man, they're—they are. I mean, they're designing amazing ships, but they're giving you good, like really good shots of the ships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. come on yeah. discovery you can do better <laughs> just give uh, us some beauty uh, shots every now and then right. you know? every once in a while that's all yeah. i want well, let you stop for a moment and appreciate how cool the ship is i mean the thing about um 
you know, the episode where they finally discover the Federation in season three and they come through the the you know invisible curtain barrier mm-hmm. and they see all these futuristic ships and they you just don't get a good look at any of them you yeah. don't really get a great look at voyager j you don't get a good look at uh, nog's ship i mean there's so much to see the big forest oh my gosh there was so much to look at and they just didn't I mean, you don't want to spend the whole episode on it, but you can give me better shots than what we got. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lower Decks and Prodigy are doing fine with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the live action shows will catch up because Picard was that way too. I mean, you never get a lot of a beauty shot of La Serena. You know? That's true. That is very true. Very yeah. true. I didn't care as much about that though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So it sounds like we're all pretty thumbs up. Heck yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, it held my attention, and it's it's genuine, genuinely making me wonder what's coming next because it was it was one huge major setup. So I just even wonder what direction they're going to take next and how they're going to start managing. I guess Janeway hologram will help them run the ship because I know the one guy said you need at least twenty people to run a ship like that, and or like the, or thirty seven appendages. The thirty seven <laughs> appendages, right? Wow, that's a lot of appendages. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of what that could even be, like a Kelvin. <laughs> exactly that's right giant of arms. Multi-ten- yeah giant multi-tentacle creatures right all right so we have a question of the week this week alan oh absolutely even <laughs> though we shouldn't call it question of the week because we haven't done one in like a month we have a question <laughs> but, of every now and then right <laughs> right exactly when but i do ready. have a good one um and this comes from tony bowers and this really plays into my love of ship porn and he wants to know what is our favorite uh, like filming model, shooting model of the Enterprise. Which Enterprise? Well, any Enterprise. That's that's, uh, that's the question. Yeah, I'll, I'll say the the Hero Enterprise from the motion picture. Okay. As far as overall favorite. Yep. I have to go with the. I don't know which model it was, but I have to go with the model, the big model from the original series, which I, mm-hmm. I've. Seen. The big eleven footer. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, I, I, that's just that's my favorite of all of them. I like the gold ornament one <laughs> <laughs> from Caspar. Yes. <laughs> so literally a model of the Enterprise. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's very heavy too. Right. Um, I I I was torn between either uh, Enterprise A from the motion pictures or uh, Pike's Enterprise from Discovery, hmm. which they actually kind of did give fairly decent shots of as it flew by i want to see more when uh strange new worlds launches Mm -hmm. but i thought that was really really nicely done oh yeah do any of y'all like the the kelvin enterprise i do yeah i do like i I like it a lot i think that the deflector and the neck aren't meeting right i feel like they're you need to shift the deflector back and the neck forward a bit it looks like it sticks out weird there but i I think it's cool though i I, Mm -hmm. I like the the bigger nacelles, and they sort of copied the nacelles for the ship on Prodigy. Actually, that's exactly what I was thinking too. That yeah. it really looked Kelvin. Yeah, yeah, they're bigger and really. Yeah, Which, I don't really care for that, but I do like the the statics of the the new ship. What was it, the Protostar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it'd be awesome if the twist is this ship is from the Kelvin timeline. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just thinking the same thing because I was thinking ever since Discovery launched, all these people who or like, you know, the haters mm-hmm. have griped about how it's not real Star Trek because clearly it's Kelvin. 
So now, yeah. now we have Kelvin the cells, mm-hmm. which it's not. It's not Kelvin. Oh, that's a whole other. That's a whole yeah. other podcast topic about is it Star Trek? Because I don't love the Kelvin verse, but I would never say it's not Star Trek. You know, that's a whole different right. thing. Yeah. Star Trek. I think Star Trek encompasses Cat's Paw and City on the Edge of Forever and PC <laughs> and it's all Star Trek. Yeah, that's the way it should be, except for the children shall lead. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to also say, and this is this is a slight deviation from the question, only slightly, um, because it it bears the name. But I'm going to say that the Enterprise model from the series Enterprise, I absolutely love, with its sort of like submarine inspired exterior and interior. I think mm-hmm. that is a really gorgeous ship. Yeah, I agree. Did you know, I'm sure you did know, Alan, did you know they plan to redesign that ship completely for the fifth season? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I did. I, yeah. I don't think I knew that for a long time. They're going to add, I guess you would have called it what a true secondary hole to it. So it would have looked more like the others. Yeah, there was all kinds of it, it really interesting plans for season five. Mm-hmm. So after we do our after we do our first Enterprise discussion, we, we have to talk about season five. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so that's that's the question of the week. Thank you, Tony Bowers, for sending us that great question. Uh, if anybody else wants to pitch a question to us, you can drop on our Facebook group uh, on any post, or just you can message us through Facebook, or you can email us at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. Where can people find more of you on the internet, Alan? Well, you can find me at cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. Uh, for uh, the last bunch of shows, I've been talking about uh, our new novel that we had uh, in the works that was coming up, and it is now out and available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook. Uh, the Mad King by Rebecca Mabry. It's a wonderful book. It's a uh, uh, geared toward the teen audience. It's a historical novel set in medieval Portugal, and it's a great read with lots of twists. Hmm. that you will not see coming. I guarantee you. And medieval Portugal is not a place you really hear about when books. And that is exactly one of the reasons that she went with that because uh, hmm. she's, she's a history major. Uh, she has a uh, degree, a doctorate or master's master's in history. Hmm. Um, and uh, she, you know, didn't want to do France or Britain or, you know, anything that gets covered a lot. So she, uh, you'll have, to, you can actually watch a great interview with her on our, uh, YouTube channel, and okay. she kind of goes into this a little bit, um, and that's why she went with Portugal because there's such a rich history there that doesn't get covered a lot in yeah, literature. They get overshadowed by Spain. We even talk about empire yeah. that you hear sometimes Spain and Portugal, but it's almost always Spain that gets all the attention mm-hmm. from history. Yeah, for a lot of reasons. All right. Well, how about how about you, Keith? Um, Instagram and on the ESO network groups, Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? BuiltNerdy.com. That's right. And do you have a closing for us this week? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, in a row. I was I was thinking the entire time. I was like, what quote from the episode can I use? And I And what I, quote from the epi- episode can you use? I don't know. I don't remember I've got, any of the quotes. I've got two. Okay. Go for it, Alan. Okay. So the first possible closing is pew pew pew. <laughs> the second <laughs> the second possible closing is 
Jankum Pod knows. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.